This is Bill Enyart with Reflections from the River. Have any of you ever worked cleaning toilets for a living? It was the question that Reverend Fay, the part-time lay minister at the tiny Methodist church we go to on Sundays, when we're down at the River House, that's our cottage overlooking the Mississippi, opened her sermon with on Sunday. The church in Chester, Illinois, about an hour south of St. Louis, is home to Illinois' notorious Menard Penitentiary, built in the 1870s and site of the state's death row, back when Illinois had a death penalty. Faye, although raised a Baptist, became a Methodist minister due to the Baptist prohibition on women as ministers. She occasionally, much to my delight, delivers a rather strong progressive message for a conservative Bible Belt community. I can't begin to tell you about the rest of her sermon that day because her question took me back 40 years into a reverie of my law school days. Yes, I thought I've cleaned toilets for a living. Now, my initial experience with cleaning toilets for a living took place in basic training in the United States Air Force. Thankfully, a relatively brief experience, as I was soon promoted to the far more prestigious duty of cleaning the drill instructor's barracks room. Fast forward eight years to the summer of 1977. Just finished with my first year of law school at Southern Illinois University, the part-time unpaid law clerkship with the Monroe County, Illinois State's Attorney's Office in Waterloo provided valuable experience, but no funds to pay the rent on the Pink Pagoda, a 1950s-era single-wide trailer nicknamed for its color and filled with cat hair from its previous occupant of 20 years. Now, the GI Bill, which paid a monthly stipend during the school year, likewise provided no funds for the summer months. I needed a job that allowed me to perform my clerkship during normal business hours. Second shift, it would have to be. Inventorying my skills, former sports writer, former news reporter, Political science and journalism undergraduate degree, U.S. Air Force veteran, assorted unskilled labor jobs, mostly involving cutting torches, sooty air, and scarred hands. Turned out a downtown St. Louis business needed a night shift janitor. I needed a job. It was a bit more than minimum wage and a bit less than I'd made as a working journalist. It fit the hours I could work. So on the clock I went. The reverse commute. That is, driving into downtown St. Louis while most people were commuting home to the outlying areas suited me. The job site at 20th and Washington lies in what today is a vibrant urban scene. Then it was nearly deserted, and it was viewed as a dangerous area of town. Parking my law school decal-covered Volkswagen Beetle on the street, I yanked the bike rack off the bumper and locked it in the back seat for fear of it being stolen. I easily parked within a few steps of the front door of the eight-story chromaloid building, where underpaid photo technicians printed and put together cheap family portrait packages for Sears, Kmart, and churches. I was the only white person on the cleaning crew. Initially, my fellow toilet cleaners, mop pushers, and wastebasket emptiers viewed me with suspicion especially since they knew I owed my position to the white foreman who came in around noon and usually left by 6 or 7, while I came in at 3.30 and worked to midnight. 
But Mary, the straw boss, vouched for me and told him to give the white boy law student a chance. Mary paired me that first night with a slender, late-middle-aged black man who, after working his good-paying day job at the GM plant, came in to work his second job as a janitor. His day job provided for the house and living expenses and putting his daughters through prestigious graduate school at private universities. The janitor job provided the play money. He loved to play the ponies. That second check went to Fairmont Racetrack betting windows. He only talked about the winners, never the losers. Since he worked 16 hours a day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, we all knew the losers outnumbered the winners. I confess, I can't remember my newly assigned mentor's name, so we'll call him John. Seeking to impress John with my diligence, I hurriedly pushed my cart with cleaning supplies, toilet brush, and plastic trash bags to the third-floor men's room and began bustling about, energetically scrubbing the toilets and swinging them up. Whoa, whoa, slow down, he advised me. You've got to pace yourself. The rapid-fire pace of banging out an 800-word column to the never-ending production of legal briefs on century-old cases, the consuming desire to please teachers and supervisors provided me with a point of view far removed from that of a night-shift janitor who knows that no matter how good or how fast he performs his tasks, he'll never get promoted, and the pay raises will only come a nickel an hour irrespective of gleaming chrome faucets and tidy toilet bowls. The first few nights on the job, I wore cheap chukka boots with crepe soles. Stylish, perhaps, but not fit for eight hours on your feet, pulling trash bags, wiping down desks, and ensuring no pubic hairs or human waste spattered the white porcelain of the multi-stalled industrial-grade restrooms. My sojourn in law school atrophied the memory of good work boots. Luckily for my aching legs and tired feet, the battered 10-inch, 10-year-old by then Sears work boots lingered in a cardboard box, moved from home to apartment to apartment to apartment to mobile home. Poor people don't throw good work boots away. They cost a day's pay, and you know you'll need them again. The Sears work boots are long gone now. No longer poor, but the habits ingrained young linger. The Gore-Tex insulated army boots that cost a week's soldier pay are in the basement closet, awaiting the day they're needed. Veterans, too, don't throw good work boots away. You know you'll need them. But then that's redundant, isn't it? Most veterans, or at least the ones I know, are working class. They know the value of a good work boot. Half of the dozen or so janitors were women. All unmarried, all with children. All wearing cheap, flat-soled shoes with no support. No wonder they move so slowly. Their legs hurt. Their knees hurt. Their feet hurt. Maybe they didn't know the value of good work boots. Maybe they couldn't afford them. Maybe their fathers never told them, like mine told me, Son, buy the best shoes you can afford. They're worth it. That's why I bought those days pay Sears boots. They're worth it. I haven't shopped in Sears in decades now. Sears is bankrupt now. 
I still buy the best shoes I can afford, but they're from the high-end shopping mall. They get polished by a crippled old man at a shoeshine stand now. I tip him very well. I've cleaned toilets for a living. Reflections from the River. You can email me at bill at billonyard.com. That's B-I-L-L at B-I-L-L-E-N-Y-A-R-T dot com. Thanks for listening.